ready for the interview And if you get a cue live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo, let's have a combo Say what you feel, be real That's the motto Real talk, pronto Doctor D, PhD, hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Gotta be social Network global A home for the locals Another episode, Dr. D's Social Network. Cricket, thank you for joining us here. Thank you for having me. So happy to be here. How's your day going? 
It's going well, you know, I'm in Northern California and it's been really cloudy and gloomy and there's actually some rain happening. And so this is a good thing. It is a good thing. Uh, well, I mean, we're not super far from each other. I'm in Washington state. So oh, yeah. I kind of understand the weather, the atmosphere, the coast, the whole right, thing. Right, you know? right. But you get, you get all the rain, right? Uh, we've had a lot of rain and then <laughs> uh, right now it's beautiful, it's sunny. It's like 55 probably degrees. It's, you know, it's March in Washington. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Well, you sent your rain down here. So I appreciate that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm pretty sure I came across you a while back and I said, wow, this seems like an interesting person. And thank you. I am interesting. Yes. And I only like have people on my show based off of like how it resonates with me. Like I have to like feel it just from an initial thing. And I felt, I felt it. So, you know, here we are. I love that. I am someone who definitely makes decisions based on my intuition. So I can resonate with that as well. So how has that uh, worked out for you in your life? Uh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been easy. Um, most specifically, I've got an intuitive, it wasn't even a nudge. It was like, screaming in my ears to leave my husband last summer. And as hard as that was to do, there've been so much, there's been so much evidence um, coming forth that that was the right decision and it's, and it's going well. So it's not always easy to follow my intuition, but it does um, in my experience tend to open me up to just living more of my purpose, living more joy and more opportunity. So if, is this something you've followed most of your life or is that something you've basically come become better at following as you've gotten older? I made a conscious decision to become better at following my intuition a few years ago. Mm. And the first thing that it really, that kind of kicked it off was I just kind of decided, okay, I want to be more intuitive. And the first, see, this is why it's not always easy. Like the first big intuitive um, nudge that I got was to stop drinking. Okay. And I realized I was just a daily habitual drinker, you know, but didn't, didn't usually skip a day unless it was some kind of extreme circumstance. Yeah. But I just, I thought, well, you know, alcohol numbs our senses. So how much more in tune with energy could I be if I wasn't doing that? Yeah. And so I heard that for a couple of years to stop drinking and I really, really resisted it. And then when I finally did, it really just opened me up to, um, being more in tune. So what was the, well, maybe not flashpoint, but what, what kind of led up to you starting to be more intentional about just following your feelings? It sounds like it wasn't that long ago that this started to happen. You know? Well, I can look back and see that, you know, I was following my intuition at different times in my life. I think I just didn't name it and become really intentional about it. And so it's probably been in the last four years or so that I started becoming more intentional about it. And I stopped drinking. It'll be three years in July. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always been a spiritual seeker. Okay. Um, and so I, I've always been really um, infatuated with the unseen and, and energy and, and spirit and, and all of, all of that stuff has really been really intriguing to me. So the idea of being someone who's intuitive, um, I think is pretty cool. For sure. I mean, was that something that when you were growing up or younger that you, you were into, but maybe felt hesitant to embrace fully? 
or yeah you know i was basically raised atheist oh really and my, my dad was an atheist and my mom was kind of like yeah you'll figure it out <laughs> and so i ended up really clinging to the atheist thing i remember wow. a childhood friend said well yeah i remember in second grade i asked you what you think happens after we die and you said well we die you know we're in the ground being eaten by the worms <laughs> I'm like, that was definitely something that was told to me probably by my father. Right. Um, right. And then when I was 16, I fell in love with a Christian. And it was kind of like, you know, I either had to go to church or leave the relationship. And of course, I was just head over heels. So I decided to go to church. And I remember it was not that long after that I, I prayed for the first time. And I remember just like laying in my bed and just going on and on and on for 30 minutes, an hour. And just, that was really like the first time my heart opened to really just believing that there was something, you know, unseen, some, some power greater than myself. What was that like? What was that feeling like? You know, because um, it's interesting my podcast, I've had many different types of people in spirituality, pastors, uh, people who are spiritual seekers in different aspects, more of like the universe, the whole deal for like that. Uh, I've, I've been a lifelong um, believer in God, but I'm curious about kind of that transition from atheism to believing in God and how that changed your relationship with the people in your life when that happened. You know, or didn't, you know, it, it did at first. And there's parts I think I blacked out, like my sister telling me that I told her she was going to hell for living with her boyfriend, oh. like some <laughs> of the doctrine stuff that oh, I was yeah, outing yeah. up. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember that, but if she says it happens, I believe her. Okay. Um, so that was tricky with family, but I remember my mom went, you know, to watch me be baptized. She was supportive of it. I mean, I guess it was better than me, you know, joining the circus or something, <laughs> but um but I, I mean, really, it was like a really intense surrendering. It was like pushing against something like I was resisting it so much um, that I it was like just so much energy pushing against believing in something greater than myself. So that when I finally did, like I said, my heart just cracked open and it just was like this. I remember just crying and crying and crying and just it was like a big release and relief of just feeling like. Like I can let go and I'll be supported. Yeah. Do, do you ever, oh, see, this is how this happens for me. The floodgates start opening. Here comes the question. Here comes the avalanche here. Okay, Cricket, yeah, you're ready for it. Okay. All right. <laughs> so uh, when this was occurring, what was your transition like early on, an earlier believer of God to where you are now? Because often people go through these very different seasons and speaking from experience especially people come very new to it becomes like overzealousness it's like every you know how have you transitioned in that oh yeah so i don't identify as christian anymore interesting right so i like i said i fell in love and we got married and unfortunately we were also in a really toxic relationship using drugs and codependency mm -hmm. and he ended up dying of a drug overdose oh, and leading up to his death i was i mean he had a very strong faith but i was kind of just like playing the part i did believe in something but as far as a lot of the christian teachings and um things you know, in the Bible, they weren't really resonating with me. So I kind of felt like I was in this limbo where I believed in something, but it wasn't exactly what I was hearing in church. And, um, and I wasn't really that devoted to, to, 
to going to church. So, so, but when he died, I remember the day he died, it was like a huge spiritual awakening for me because I knew so clearly, I mean, seeing his body lifeless, I knew that, you know, his soul was what was animating him. And so that day, it was like, I knew there was something else. I knew there was a a purpose. I knew there was meaning behind it and a plan. And it really became the catalyst for me to start seeking what it was that I truly believed, not what the person who I was head over heels in love with believed that I was trying on for myself. Yeah. You know, what's interesting too, is that uh, when you go to church or you're part of, you know, there's 30,000 different versions of Christianity denominations and some of it very uh conservative <laughs> some of it super progressive so sometimes it can be hard when you're being provided something that feels very um strange in some ways like overly like fire and brimstone or overly blase you know type of thing so people are very influenced by the place they go and who is providing the messages and stuff Right. So I could see how that just influenced my version, what I saw as what Christianity is. So I ended up um, just starting to eat up self-help. And, and like I said, I was in this limbo where I felt like I knew I believed in something, but I wasn't quite sure what it was. And I started going to a women's spiritual retreat Uh and it was like, calling in the directions and doing a sweat lodge and workshops and stuff. And I was like, wait, this is, this is like how you can commune with God. Like this is cool. And I'd always thought that believing in God meant falling into one of the organized religions. Mm. And so, you know, it's like the difference between I'm spiritual, but not religious, (laughs) you know, it's a cliche, but that's really how it is, but it is how I identified. Right. It was like, I believe I, I can trust how I feel when something feels like it resonates or not. Like when you bring on a guest or not. Sure. Yes. Right. Um, but there didn't necessarily, there wasn't necessarily like a book for it. Um, but then I did discover there is kind of a book for it. It's called Mm. science of mind. So it's the centers for spiritual living. They used to be called religious church of religious science. Um, and that philosophy was developed in like the twenties and it was based out of Christianity. But the whole idea is that there's a common thread of truth through all faith traditions and bringing that together. So it includes all people, all belief systems, and um, the basis is love. So that's kind of how I resonate now. I mean, honestly, that's what it is supposed to be. It's, if you, have you honest, it's literally, even the Bible, you look at, it's all love God, love others. It's very simple. Jesus did not provide all these crazies. It was very simple. Humans mess it up. Totally <laughs> make things. I mean, you can do any, take any topic. People mess it up. They create weird things. It's kind of like the phone tag thing, you know, like, it's always, you know, it, it always distorts the message as it keeps going around to different people. Right. Yes. And in the beginning, you get back, you're like, that's not what I said. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally. I didn't, I didn't say that. <laughs> and I think that's why it's so important for people to be in touch with their intuition because yeah. then you have like, you're direct to the source right? So you can really go off what, what feels is calling in you, what feels good to you and, and be able to differentiate between the, the human mess of it. (laughs) Did you think this was, did you think we were going to get into this pretty right directly? (laughs) Hey, I love this. I'm all about it. I'll talk about anything, literally. 
anything yes. and go really deep into it. But I have a, a, a pretty deep question, I think, related to it is, do you think that all people are really have this sense of wanting to have something greater, believe in something greater than themselves. Because really, let's see, atheism is a very tiny percentage of the population. It's really, it may be loud on some level, but it's really tiny. Do people have this feeling to want to have something greater than this, believe in something greater themselves? I think yes. You know, I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about that, but my my in first instinct is yes. I even have, I mean, my brother says he's an atheist, but when I talk to him about you know, I love where I see science and spirituality come together. Yes. And so when I talk to him about certain things, he goes, well, yeah, I know that. And I'm like, you just, it's just semantics. You're just, you <laughs> say you don't believe in God, but I think he just is picturing like a bearded man in the sky or something. Yeah. yeah. For me, God is, is the energy that connects all life. I call it spirit. Um, but I think we're all just talking about the same thing, just in different language that, that resonates with each of us differently. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, I mean, there is a large amount of science behind that, that atheism is actually religion, even though it's a, and there's actually that. various levels of atheism. There's even atheism where people go and do the community of church, go to church, but don't believe. They just like the ritual of it all. There's, there's few different levels of it. So it actually operates like a religion. In a weird That's way. That's really interesting. Yeah. And that comes back to like wanting to be in community and having of like course. a commonality. And, and to me, that's oneness because that is all that we are. In yeah. my viewpoint, the only thing that's happening is God. Yeah. We are all just expressions of it. Yeah. And so that just goes back to that calling that people have to want that oneness, to want that unity, to go back to, I guess, where we came from. Do you think that this is a growing? aspect like i know i'm in uh the fitness health wellness business and i've seen much more emphasis on mental health and spirituality that more people have you noticed this as well in your travels and things that people want more spirituality in their life well yes i mean my view is also clouded because you know we see what we seek mm -hmm. and so um but I think the pandemic has absolutely woken people up to like, what the hell am I doing with my life? What yeah. do I want to keep the same? What do I want to change mostly? And I think especially as, you know, I mean, even just one example is like um, psilocybin being legalized, mm -hmm. right? And so oh, yeah. the benefits <laughs> of that for mental health, yes. but it all, right? <laughs> yeah, but it also, it, it creates a feeling of oneness in people. I, uh, I had a gigantic mushroom trip, like eh, maybe six, seven years ago. And it honestly, it just confirmed my, my faith. It just literally like deepened it because it just, it, it just creates a deeper bond with that. And you, you see this all research and stuff. It's the most, it's one of the most powerful experiences for even students of divinity, for people who are say they're atheists, they become very spiritual after these practices. It's, it's actually incredible, you know? It is. Yeah. And again, like for someone who claims to be an atheist, like looking at the science, like looking at how we keep getting smaller and small, we keep thinking <laughs> we found the smallest bit, but it just, to me, it's like, I just like to think about that and trip out. Cause I'm just like, it's just goes on forever. It's, it's infinity. And to me, that is what that is, is life force. Like that is what's happening. That, um, that is greater than ourselves. And that's what I would call God. Yeah. I actually think most people, I think 
pretty much designed much much like we're pack animals. Humans are much like pack animals. We want to be in communities. Dogs are pack animals. Want to be together. There's certain rank and order to that. I think also built into people is the desire to believe in something greater. But I think it's also misconstrued by how the people that raised you or what they didn't believe. Because most of what you're into is what somebody told you. And then eventually you try to figure things out. You say, well, is this right for me or not? But initially it's kind of like, what does somebody tell me? Type of thing, you know? But I feel there's always a pull for people on some level, whether they want to admit that or not, you know? Absolutely. No, I claim it. Like I said, I was saying that we are eaten by worms in the dirt. I just, and then, and then I had someone I was in love with that was telling me, and he wasn't telling me this is what you need to believe, but I was following his lead. Um, So it wasn't until having like a big life tragedy that I kind of like broke open and was able to figure out what I believed for myself. Tell me about the, I mean, I have very strong, um, ways of looking at this, but like the science and spirituality conversation, because, you know, for a long time, people try to separate these things or that, let's say your scientist has to be an atheist, you know, or that your personal spiritual is against science. And actually, we know that through pretty recent research, like 50% of scientists are not atheists. They are actually believers of God, which will blow some people's mind. They don't, it's just what you're hearing from certain people, you know, Right. What's the link together in that in your mind? Well, I, and I can't remember who said this, but I heard it recently. They were saying as, um, as far as science goes, uh, that you know that there is a God because everything is in order. If there was no God, it would all be chaos. Mm. So, so the Big Bang happens, right? So what happens after an explosion? It's a mess. What happened after the explosion of the Big Bang? Now, you might not believe in the Big Bang. Right. I think it's I think it was God, right? right. And right. so, um, and so, what usually happens after an explosion is just complete chaos, disarray. What happened after the Big Bang is complete order and, I mean, symmetry on all levels, yeah. mathematics on all levels. I mean, I'm, I'm not a scientist. I did not excel in, in the sciences. I'm a creative, but that point made really made a lot of sense to me because there is order everywhere you look, you know, in nature, especially is where I like to go back and look at, because you can see like fractals, just, I just adore fractals. (laughs) I can tell. uh, Right. (laughs) So, um, so that to me is a, is a really cool way to look at it from a science perspective. I think they both reveal each other. Mm. I think they both, I I mean, I don't know how I feel about the big bang. Honestly, I think that sometimes in life, some, some of us as humans, we value certainty of like evidence of things, but, and then, and then some people say, well, there will be evidence because we just haven't got there yet. But I I believe like the mystery is amazing too. And I think if you believe in if you have a spirituality in your life, in many ways, you're embracing a mystery as well. Yeah. Like you don't know. How could you actually know the Big Bang happened? I don't know that we know that. I was like, how do you know that? that? How do they like, measure that? I don't know how you know that. I mean, and I just think there's a lot of theories and there's there's a lot of evidence for certain things, but like embrace the beauty of the mystery. Everything doesn't have to always be concrete for it to matter in life. And actually, I totally. think if you believe in God, you're actually taking a huge step out in faith because you, 
you can't prove that it's true. I can't prove that it's true. It's a feeling. You know, it's a sense that I believe. But also, an atheist can't prove that it's false either. Right. So we're, what's the deal? You well, know? this goes back to one of my like core beliefs. It's like you're going to assume this goes at every level of your life. We're as- making assumptions all the time. Why not assume the good? So right. for me, believing that there's something else, that I have a purpose, that I'm being guided, that um, that I get to come back and, and live, I believe yeah. in reincarnation, mm-hmm. getting back to come and learn lessons and do this this earth school over and over again for um, my soul's growth, that makes me feel good. That makes right. me feel like all buzzy and yummy inside. When I think that there's <laughs> nothing, I don't feel good. So Sounds rather, horrible, actually. <laughs> yeah. So I would rather feel the one that makes me feel good because it's all assumptions anyway. Exactly. Listen, if someone's a Buddhist or Taoist or whatever, you know, listen, you believe in something, you believe that there's something more than this, great. It may be, it may not be the same as, as mine, but there's just too much, there's too much symmetry, intelligent design, like you said, in order. But in the end, neither of us can tangibly prove our point. So even if we had a near-death experience and we got over to the other side and we were told, you know, you were right and came back, we still couldn't prove it. You can't prove it. So basically we need to be tolerant of other people's ideas about this, because honestly, there's, you're probably, you're never going to know. I'm never going to know completely until the time comes. <laughs> yes. Know, so. And then it's too late to tell right. anyone. Let me live. <laughs> let me do, let you do your thing. You know, and like, I think that was the thing that really didn't work for me with the Christian faith that I was mm-hmm. in was that this is the one way, right? I can't tell anyone their way. And I'm a spiritual life coach. So Mm -hmm. the spirituality piece that I do, it's purely what my clients believe. It has nothing to do with what I believe. Right. I just support them in, in discovering what they believe or supporting their growth within that framework. Yeah. But I just can't get on board with, this is the one way. So I agree with you. It's like, let everybody, um, do what feels good for them as long as it's not hurting hurting anyone else. I think that's, you know, been the rise over time of kind of your non-denominational aspects of things um, and trying to, there's a, a movement uh, called deconstructing faith, where it's just basically deconstructing faith down to the most simplest aspect of things, when, which always, always has been love God, love others. It's pretty simple. But, you know, so I think that is happening, especially among younger people, they're sensing that. Um, and if you're in a thing that's giving you like crazy amount of rules that actually make no sense, it, it just breaks apart the whole aspect of the, that thing, you know? Yeah. Agreed. It's pretty simple. <laughs> actually. Right. Yeah. You know? So, we, but yeah, I wanted to, on transitioning, I think it was the musical aspect too that I was resonated. Tell me if I'm wrong on this here. But so you're a singer writer, musician, tell me about songwriter. I sing and play guitar. When did that start? So I've been singing for as long as I can remember. I started doing musical theater when I was like 10. And then I got my first guitar when I was 16. Mm. And I say my, I mean, I was writing songs for since before I could play an instrument, just little Mm. melodies. Um, but my songwriting really took hold when my husband died and I started songwriting through my grief. So I just like 
cried and wrote really sad songs about yeah. him dying. And it was, I didn't know I was doing it at the time, but it was how I processed my grief. Cause I was really sitting with the emotions and, and not, you know, stuffing them down. I was really processing them. And then from there, like I said, I started on this spiritual journey. Um, and eventually the sad songs kind of stopped and I started writing about my spiritual transformation. So I started singing about manifestation, the law of attraction, um, life purpose, living your dreams. And then that's what led to coaching because I can help people actually make it happen, not just sing pretty songs about it. <laughs> what, you know, I, I, there's so much there. Before that, I think I had asked you about singing a song, but I want to hold you that to that. If you're okay. prepared to do that, it's no big deal. Um, the word manifestation, I would love to talk about that. Um, I, I think I have, I don't know if it's a strong opinion. I'll get to it. But what, what, what does that mean in your mind? For me, it's... Um... <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> being, in, being in, I'm choosing my words here, being mm -hmm. intentional with the thoughts that I'm thinking so I can create results that I want to create in my life. Now, we're manifesting all the time. We're just often manifesting on default. So the intentional part for me, intentional manifestation is choosing the thoughts and belief systems that I have. So I feel the way I want to feel. So I create the action I want to create and get the results that I want in my life. So let me follow up with this. So is th does this, is this primarily, oh, now I'm going to choose my words, <laughs> you know, cause I'm not one of these people who like, maybe I have a counter side to it and then just try to like, boom, I want to be respectful to people. I think that's so important. And to how you ask something, how you say something means a lot. I think we're, we're off on that a lot today with people. But is it manifestation without action? Or is it, is it or a sense, or, or it's also kind of like, I don't know if you heard of Joel Olstein, but essentially big, huge preacher, he essentially does the prosperity gospel, which is in some form of manifestation of some people's definition, which is if you just believe it, it'll happen type of thing. It's kind of almost like the secret in a sense like that. Is that what you're talking about? Or is this something else? That is what I'm talking about, but that is a very simplified version of it. Okay. Okay. So that's where I wanted to go here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's true. So your beliefs, beliefs and thoughts create reality. Anything you look at started with a thought and you might say the universe started with a thought right? God thought I mm. am, boom, right. here we are. And so <clears throat> you can, what you see in your life, what you've created around you, your job, your relationships, your finances, you know, everything at, at some level, um, you are creating with your mind. Now we're all dropped into the life, you know, the family that we're dropped into oh, wow. and and so what that means, it doesn't mean that necessarily you created, you know, living in a slum in India, but although maybe you signed up for that when you came into this body, in my opinion, um, but it means that whatever circumstance is happening to you, my husband dying of a drug overdose, I got to choose, I got to decide with my mind, 
if I wanted to continue down the path that I was going on, which was drug use and depression and being a victim of my circumstances, or I, or was I going to decide to make my life a positive result as of his death? So I chose for my life to be a positive result as far as his death. And that was a choice I made in my mind with the thoughts that I had. The thought that I had was that this is my purpose. This is what was meant to happen. There's a plan here. And I have the choice to do something different with my life because he didn't get to. So at the very essence of it, yes, it comes down to thoughts and belief systems, but there's a whole bunch of mess in between. (laughs) (laughs) Like the mess. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because I I often hear, okay, my, so my aspect is really, it's like faith plus action, like maybe fan manifestation plus action. Because like you said, if you're, if you're growing up in the projects in the hood and you may believe I want positive things to happen for me. And, but there's a lot of people that have that nothing happens sometimes, you know? So from that point of view, I think I like to man, I like manifestation, but also like you, there has to, I think there has to be action. There has to be some action. There's no action. It's just like, Hey, I would like a steak right now. Bring me whatever I would like. Yes. It doesn't like ma- That's the problem. I think a lot of times that language gets into, it's almost just like fairy tale, just believe it and it'll happen. But maybe not saying though. Yeah, I did stuff also <laughs> to help this. You see what I mean? Like, I don't totally. know. Totally. Yeah. No. And you're right. And that's the part I'm not familiar specifically with Joel Olstein's work yeah. or his process, but the secret is missing that part Completely. of it. Yeah. <laughs> and so was so, Joel Olstein, just so you know. Is he? Yeah. So, so what is really fascinating to me is that we have a thought, right? And the thought creates a feeling. Yes. And that feeling is wh- what propels the action that we take. I love that. So yes, you do have to take action, but you have to make sure that the action you're taking is in line with what you believe to be truth. Definitely. And that is where I think the magic happens. It's like, okay, I'm going to believe on purpose that it's possible for me to write a song, right? That was something for me that was hard for a while. And so I'm going to believe it's possible for me to write a happy song, not a sad one. (laughs) And then from that, what does it feel like when I've written the song? Oh, it feels like amazing. It feels like I've tapped into something. It feels like I've hit the jackpot. I've just written this song. So being in the present moment with what it's going to feel like when it's it's arrived. And then what action do you take from that feel good feeling? It's going to be very different than the action I'm going to take from a thought that's like, I only write when I'm sad. Then how do I feel? (laughs) I feel depressed and sad. And then, well, maybe I would write a song because I believed I only write when I'm sad. But you hear what I'm saying, right? The action we take from inspiration is very different than the action that we take from um, complacency. I love that. You know, I'm I'm very much into like explanations and language and like clarifying things. I think often we provide very vague terms as humans. It's like, I'm healthy. Okay, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What does that mean scientifically? I think we just throw things, I'm motivated. Okay, what is, there's a technical definition for that. Like, what does that mean? So I think when I always have people, I'm manifesting this. I'm like, okay, maybe like clarify this because it sounds like you're just saying, I thought about it and it happened for me. I'm like, but a lot of people, like there's a lot of people who think about great stuff and great things don't happen. Like, they're not happy about you saying that, (laughs) like, you know, like, 
I was like, yeah. what's the full picture of your mindset about it? I think that's, we need to explain things more. Totally. Or else it just feels like, you know, it's not the, like the Uber of things. I mean, you know, like- just showing up. So I think that at the basis, it's like believing it's possible mm. for so many of us. Yes. We don't believe that our dreams are possible. You know, we have all the reasons why it can't happen. Yeah. So just that first step of believing it's possible is going to shift things. It is going to change your perspective. And for me, that's the first step of manifesting is just believing that it's possible. And then from there, it just starts to open up a little bit more, but, but taking the action is what is going to give you feedback from the world to know how to, how to adjust, how to, you know, um, how to, what is it? Fall, fail forward. Mm. Right. So like you're going to mess it up and that's okay. But it, unless you mess it up, you're not going to know how to do it. Right. Yeah. So the action is what's going to teach you that. Yeah. Most definitely. Now I thought about this. I've asked tons of musicians, this on my podcast, is it harder or easier to write a, a song when you're sad? <laughs> so. In my experience, it's been easier to write a song sad, but I've not really written a sad song in years. Right. So now it's easier to write a happy song because that's what inspires me. That is the mindset that I've created. And I've practiced that mindset enough now that it's just as easy for me to write a happy song as it is a sad song. Um, You've got me thinking though, because I just tend to have a more positive perspective on life. And so, yeah, I'm still going to stick with my answer. It's easier for me to write a happy song because now it's like more effort to write a sad song yeah. because I've got to get in that mentality where it's like, I can't sing about what a victim I am when I know that that's not how life works. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting for my, my brother is a professional musician. I know so many musicians and like almost like pain creates this amazing music. And that I feel like people always struggle with happiness or when an artist gets bigger and maybe their first album was something like really painful. And then once they have their level of success, it's like, well, I mean, I don't have that pain anymore. Or like, it's, it's right. hard to like keep that momentum going of like the rawness of it, you know? Is it though? Or is it that that just something we've come accustomed to believe? Yeah, probably. I think, you know, I think about somebody like maybe who was, and maybe uh, circumstances where they didn't have much and then they came into a lot of means you know it's hard to know sometimes to write about something that you really just have just started experiencing maybe it doesn't feel like natural to you to have that you know except at every level of success there's a whole new set of challenges of course whole new set of um inspiration for struggles achievement i mean for me i think it's all it's all inspiration for music. Yeah. The song that really changed my thinking around it, because I was already writing, or I hadn't started writing inspirational music yet, but I was really feeling like, wouldn't that be cool? But I had this belief that all happy songs were cheesy. <laughs> and then Pharrell Williams' Happy came I'm out. Happy, yeah. And yeah. I was like, this is how you write a happy song. Right. And it was very soon after that, that I started writing inspirational music. So again, just believing it's possible will change it all. 
Now, here's a question. Do you like sad songs at all? Oh, I love sad songs. (laughs) (laughs) I do. Um, Oh, yeah. I can get down. Elliot Smith was one of my favorites. Um, I can get down with some sad songs for sure. I like playing sad songs. I just, as an artist, sad songs don't inspire me. Yeah. And also back to the manifestation, like attracts like. So who you are being is what you're going to attract more of into your life. That is how energy works. And so I spend a lot of time with my songs. And so if I'm trying to create a more positive life for myself, I don't want to be singing about all the stuff that didn't work out just for myself. (laughs) Now, believe me, I have my moments of, I listen to some Ani DeFranco, some Alanis Morissette. I'm like, I get down and dirty. I love, I mean, that's as dirty as I get, but um, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, I appreciate that. And there's a time for that. Like I said, I can, I, I can still play those old sad songs. I'm actually re-recording them because I never released all those songs that I wrote Um, when I became a widow. So I'm re-releasing those because I feel like they're such an important part of my story. And I'm actually really glad that I'm singing them or recording them now because I'm singing them in a whole different way in a very meaningful, from a meaningful, deep place. Um, Excuse me. But just as far as what I want to do as a musician, I want to keep it light. I want to inspire people to believe in themselves and that anything is possible. But every once in a while, Jagged Little Pill comes out. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, that's fantastic. So tell me a little bit about uh, the name, you know, um, Joyfully Cricket. How did this come about? Obviously, uh, it was something I was going to talk about at some point. Yeah. And, you know, I would love to hear like this transformation. You know. Well, the transformation really came from me just never identifying with my given name. Mm. And You know, if I was born now, I probably would have had the guts to just say, call me this from now on, but I never did. So my my given name is Karen. I was born in 84. So all through school, it was like, I was so, there weren't any other Karens. All the teachers were named Karen. And at some point I was like, this is a dated name and I don't identify with it at all. You don't want that name now either. Exactly. Yeah, it was like in 2020, when all the memes started coming out, it was like, oh, now everyone knows what I already knew. Like, (laughs) don't like it. But, but I'd heard the name cricket when I was a young teen. And I just thought that was the coolest name. And I, like I said, I didn't have the guts to say, call me cricket now. But when a friend was setting up my very first Hotmail account, he said, what do you want your email address to be. And I said, how about cricket, Karen? I've always liked the name cricket. So he started calling me cricket and then someone else saw my email and they're like, Oh, I'm going to call you cricket. And then it just kind of grew after that to where I ended up putting out my album and I decided to go with cricket. Um, and it brings a smile to people's face. I don't, I'm, you know, like I said, I'm in my thirties. I'm, I'm not in the age group of Karen. So a lot of people tell me I don't look like a Karen. I certainly don't <laughs> act like a Karen, although that's uh, a whole other subject. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um, but, and then the joyfully part, joy has just been my mission since my husband passed away. And so when it came to building out, you know, social media websites and stuff, cricket was taken. So it ended up becoming joyfully cricket. Oh, that, that's, that's it. Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. You know, what's interesting. Like I had a friend of mine who was on this podcast. She was one of the first people on my podcast, like three years ago. And I have her on from time to time. Her name is Michelle Collins. And 
um, she lost her husband also, and she has a company called In Inhabit Joy. And it's, it's a very similar mindset. And it's interesting kind of the link between uh, loss and creating joy after mm -hmm. loss. There's something about that. that I've, and it, this has happened with a lot of people because I've, I've, I'm always interviewing people and stuff. So there's an interesting kind of dichotomy between loss and joy. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think it just, loss just brings appreciation. Right. Right. And so after my husband died, I really stopped sweating the small stuff. I mean, I get wrapped up in stuff like anybody else, yeah. but as far as really caring about the superficial problems of life, it just kind of fell away, at least really initially, you know, during those first few years. And so it became a lot um, easier to appreciate the beautiful things in life, the joyful things, because I knew how bad it could get. And I knew how dark I had been that it's like, it's like you experience something so dark, you just want to move to the light. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. I've known so many people who have had that similar experience, but also things like you've been tested on mm -hmm. some of, and for a lot of, especially Americans, I grew up in a military family. So I lived all over the world, got all these different cultural perspectives. I've seen all these different cultures and it, it changes you when you see how other people live and you see other cultures and things at that level. And it's the same test in a sense, like if you lose somebody in your life, that's really close to you, or, you know, if you're testing yourself physically, spiritually, a lot of people don't, there's not a test on a regular basis or at all. Right. So they don't, it's like your perspective stays small. If you don't, if you're not tested in these things and what a huge test, I mean, what a huge experience to go through losing a significant other and how to, and how that changes you is in innumerable ways for that, but to have joy is incredible to create that after that and not sweat it all the small stuff, you know? Thank you. It hasn't really been until the past few years that I've really appreciated what I went through and just even putting words to that I had, that I made a choice. Like I can remember clearly making the choice, but I never, until becoming a coach, I didn't have the language to talk about, um, you know, that I made the decision to choose joy, but you're right. I think the more experience that we gain and traveling is a great way to do that. Um, it just gives us perspective to, to appreciate what life has to offer. Most definitely. And I think often when I hear someone who has, is very close-minded about stuff, and then I talk, you know, we talk about, it, it's like, they haven't had a lot of experiences in life or they're very susceptible to getting pulled into a certain way of things that it's easy to kind of get slowly manipulated into things that could be very negative. If you haven't had a lot of experience of what those things are in life. Totally. So always tell people like, have a lot of experiences, say yes to a lot of things, ex like expand yourself, be uncomfortable because it's going to give you a better, you're going to have better solid ground to be on. Shaky when it's closed-minded, just very shaky ground when you're closed-minded. You don't think it is when you're like that, but it's like brittle. It's super brittle beneath you, you know? Totally. Yeah. You know, so I think spirituality, especially with that, is something that just really strikes a nerve in people about it. I want to ask, 
Why do you think that is such a hot topic for people? Why do you think, why do I think spirituality yeah, is so why triggering, is it such a for, triggering people? for so many people? Yeah. You know, that's a really good question because like I said, I have the perspective of you do you, you know, but some people really think you've got to do it just like them. Yeah. And I think that does come from a smallness inside or a scared part inside that they're not doing it right. Mm. And it will validate them if others are doing it like they are. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting that, I think, um, because there's several like hot topics that we have in our world, whether it's spirituality, politics and stuff and things we feel like we can't talk to other people about. And always like, I think we have to talk about these things. But it, again, it's like, how do we talk about these things? Can we be respectful of each other? Can we disagree and not be ready to like go crazy? You know, when somebody says something different, then, yes. you know, it's like at the end of the day, you're going to go do your thing. I'm going to do my thing. You know, it's not hurt anybody. Right. <laughs> you know, no, but having opinions, you know, yeah. And having conversations, I think you're right. It allows us to, um, get past the semantics, like the yeah. Christianity and spirituality thing. It's like, right. okay, we're saying the same things just in different language. So the more we can have conversations, um, in a non-convincing way, yeah. um, the more we'll understand each other. Because everyone's trying to be right. Everyone say, hey, listen, I'm going to tell you about this because I'm right and you're wrong. That's right. basically the... <laughs> right. That's how because we're going to They want to prove it to themselves. Yeah, right. And it's yeah. like, when you're steady on that, you can just talk about it and be like, all right, man, no, it's all good. <laughs> you know, like, yes. Moving on. I'm hungry. I got to go. It's like, right. you're not worried about it, you know, like, but when you are worried about it, then that when you're worried about somebody else coming at you, then that is a really good indicator. You've got some work to do. You've got some work to do. You're yeah. on shaky ground yourself. Probably. Exactly. <laughs> How yeah. dare you say that to me? I, I'm yeah. on shaky ground. Myself. I'm not, <laughs> not sure if I believe this. <laughs> like, you know. It's pretty amazing. I mean, so how do you see this moving forward in your life? Obviously, you've kind of, you've had some transformations, you've gone through different things. No one can see the future, but what's the path you feel like you're on and want to be, continue to be on? Well, it's, I just want to help more people believe in themselves mm. and take that action when they feel scared. Because I know for me, it, it has always been scary and, and I've had big dreams, but haven't exactly felt like I had the courage to even speak them out loud. Um, up until the last year, I wasn't sure how I was going to blend my music with my coaching and now I'm doing that. And so I, I can't say I want to be like a platinum selling artist, but I would love to get more positive music out into the world. Mm -hmm. I would love to play more music um, at spiritual centers to bring my music to people and create more transformational experiences through my coaching workshops, through my music. One thing for me that's been really transformative is having the, going to retreats and, and workshops and doing breath work, you know, journaling and, and being in community with people to, to grow myself. And so what I, my dream is to be able to create the, create those experiences for others. And how I do that is with my music and the coaching tools that I have. So retreats, concerts, you know, that sort of thing is what I would love for the future. Beautiful. That's awesome. Uh, it's been an awesome conversation. 
very, I told you, just free flow here. Who knows? You know where it goes. So fun. Thank you. So tell all the lovely people how they can uh, hear your music and connect with you. So go to joyfulpurposecoaching.com. And from there, you can find all the links to my Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, and uh, I can connect with you there. Short and sweet. Cricket, everyone. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you.